This is Family Electric Ghost, and this is uh, another episode. This is Peg's first use of the Moog Grandmother. We finally got our Moog Grandmother, courtesy of ZZ Sounds. Um, we're funding it with our own money that we've earned from this podcast and from some uh, influence uh, marketing we've been doing as a result of being the ghost. And our Uber earnings, because we do Uber and uh, we'll probably put a link out there. If you're a musician, you might want to check out Uber. It's a good way to make extra money to buy gear. So we finally got the Moog Grandmother, which is an awesome uh, synth. We had to make a decision on what kind of synth we're going to buy for the money we had. And we got the Grandmother because of a couple of things. We're very rooted in progressive rock. You know, Rick Wakeman from Yes, uh, Sun Ra, used the, the Mini Moog, one of the first bands to use it. Uh, Emerson, Lake and Palmer is used to the Moog modulars. Stevie Wonder uh, with the Yamaha Dream Machine, GX1. So we've been very impressed with um, analog since, and we already have a Moog Mother 32, the single oscillator, which we've used to great effect in a lot of songs in the last three years. Uh, we've also used the Moog DFAM as a drummer, uh, for our band as a drum machine. We will actually say as a drummer because it's so vital to what our sound is since 2017. So the cool thing about the Mo Grandmother is it's got a spring reverb, which anybody who knows the history of it, uh, modular sense, spring reverbs were on some of the modular uh, modes back in the late, well, early 70s, late 60s. Um, and a real spring reverb versus a digital gives you an effect that's amazing. And uh, we've had it, uh, you know, on some of these new tracks. So the first track that um, we're talking about is a song called Doppelganger. And uh, we wrote this song and we experimented with uh, the Mo Grandmother. We play with the Pat Bay. We play with the sequencer and the spring reverb the high-pass filter, and um, we also played with um, uh, some of the um, uh, routing options. So uh, what we were able to do is uh, create this interesting sequence uh, that uses the spring reverb uh, to great effect. And uh, it just has this kind of, uh, I don't know if you, you know the history of since like Pete Townsend had some very interesting sequences that he did on um, Who's Next or the Lifehouse Project. And we were kind of going for that kind of strange bubbling, blip and bopping kind of thing you can do. And our spring reverb even brings it out more. So on this Doppelganger song, uh, we took the idea of Josephine Electric and the duality of her existence because Josephine Electric is me. I use the Roland Vocal Transformer. Uh, this year, in the last couple of years, we've been using the VT4 Vocal Transformer. A couple of years ago, we used the VT3, which we still have. And then we initially used the JDXI uh, Voicoder on soprano mode to do my voice. Uh, lately, uh, the VT4 has been a lot better because um, it's polyphonic. It's got more controls over all aspects of the sound. And uh, we're also using the Studio Electronics microphone, which really cuts through the mix and gives Josephine a great vocal. 
with the whole idea, because Josephine is me, the feminine part of me, and also Josephine in her history, the story about her, is that, um, you know, she's a phantasm. She's somebody that died and then came back as a ghost. And as this phantasm, she can kind of go between the netherworld and the real world. So she can be physically, um, you know, exist in this realm. And then she can kind of become Miss Electric and not fully exist, become ethereal. And part of her character is there's this duality about her where she looks in the mirror, she kind of sees another version of herself, this other me, which is this other character we created called Mediterranean Blue, uh, who is the kind of vision of sadness. So that's the kind of sad part of Josephine that has, uh, you know, some mourning and sensitivity and feelings where Josephine's character tends to be very dominatrix-like and uh, somewhat uncaring. And then when you find out the, the part of her that seems to have caring is really her uh, her doppelganger, who is Mediterranean Blue. So that's the idea of this song. We kind of go into her looking in the mirror and seeing Mediterranean Blue and then seeing this other me that's her and then talking about it. At uh, minute 225, you really start hearing the grandmother. It's there, but it's kind of low in the mix. And uh, we kind of bring it out and you hear the, the, the nature of this machine, which is, you know, it's a great musical instrument. The other song we did, it's called Ode to Someone I Used to Know, is another sequence that we put together and it has a very kind of powerful LFO uh, sequence that they, it sounds like a guitar because the spring reverb can bring the kind of guitar out. And we're also using the CP3 mixer on the Moog to do very powerful, distorted sounds. And these are the kinds of things that you can do with with an analog synth. And the thing is, when you approach the grandmother, every time you approach it, we get a lot of different stuff. Initially, we were working out bass lines and leads, but we found that the sequencing is very interesting and very atmospheric to our sound. So these first experiments with the Mo grandmother are focusing more on the sequencer and the spring reverb and uh, we actually did some patches without really uh, fully understanding what we were doing. It's kind of just well, what we hear is what we get. And that's what we like with modular sense. We read the concepts of how you should do something. We'll watch Loop Pop, watch Sonic State. We'll watch a lot of people on, on the net. And Loop Pop has given us a lot of really cool stuff. And uh, we were on the road to trying to use the, the LFO as an oscillator, but we ended up using it as an LFO. Um, and we're trying to see if we can get some stackable cables so that we can actually have the LFO act as an LFO and act as an oscillator, which we're going to look up and see if you can actually do that. We're also very interested, if anybody has a Mother 32 or a DFAM, of how you can integrate it uh, we haven't found a lot of patches on the net yet that show us how to integrate. What we're very interested in is can we actually get three more oscillators into the workflow um, of of the thing of the actual grandmother. Now there's a Moog uh, House of Electronicus kit that can turn the Moog Mother 32 and DFAM into a three oscillator synth. We're wondering if we take the output of that and bring it into the LFO. Can we get that to come in? 
Uh, we're going to play with that today and see what we can do. And that would be like a six oscillator mode, uh, which we're trying to see if that's possible. Theoretically, it's possible. We want to look it up on the net and see if anybody's done that. Um, but we're going to try it ourselves. If it doesn't work, we'll, we'll tell you. We'll see what we get out of it. We're also going to try bringing the DFAM into the spring reverb and see what that does to the drum beats. Uh, we also have the make noise modules and see if we can take um, a uh, morphogen sample and run it through spring reverb or run it through the CP3 mixer and really kind of slam it. Uh, we're very happy to finally have a Moog that is much like a like a, a Model D, but it's like a modern Model D because to be able to actually get sound out of it without patching is pretty cool. Uh, we've always had to patch the Mother 32 to a certain extent to get what we want. Though you can actually play it without patching it, it's capable of that, semi-modular. But to actually have an oscillator that can do more than just a square and a triangle is really cool. And to be able to use sine waves is uh, something we have. Well, we actually figured it out through the Moog House of Electronicus book. Um, and we are kind of sad that Moog uh, is not doing their Moog Fest this year. We're hoping one day that um, Moog would have the kindness to let us go to the, to the actual uh, engineer workshop and build uh, something and be able to talk about on our channel, like Loop Pop, but we're not super big like Lupop, but we do have almost 22,000 listeners and they're going toward that. What we'd like to talk about is, um, you know, potentially if you like what we're doing and we interview bands all the time, we've got a bunch of bands we're interviewing for the end of the year. We're already scheduling for January. If you like what we're doing, uh, please support our podcast by buying the merch that we uh, put on here. We have our album, the Flower That Blooms at Midnight in the Tomb on Amazon.com, on CD, and it's a streaming service. If you want the physical CD, we got the like, hyperlink on this episode. Please click it and check it out. It was fully recorded using 90% of it was recorded with the Teenage Engineering OPZ. Now, so this is owed to someone I used to know. It's kind of this thing we've been talking about since Dark Ghost, that we had this relationship that went off the rails and it kind of gets to the point where sometimes when you have something that's really tragic or falls apart, you're like, Sam, well, maybe I shouldn't have really known that person because they hurt so bad. And that's basically what that song is, is, is talking about what happens when you meet somebody that just wrecks your heart so bad that you really are questioning, you know, should you ever have met that person? Or, you know, the bad times outweigh the good times. And that's what that's about. And this song, again, uh, uses... Uh, the LFO to great effect with the spring reverb on the grandmother and creates a very interesting sequence that we, uh, is, is very much a guitar like which we talked about. And uh, we, we're just very happy what we'll be able to do with the grandmother. Going to try to do some leads and uh, three oscillator synth or six oscillator synth uh, experiments with it. But we're very impressed to actually have a keyboard based Moog which we've wanted for a long time. We can't, couldn't afford the Matriarch. We couldn't afford Sub-37. We couldn't afford a Moog 1. Um, but the Grandmother is a great machine and that gives you uh, some capabilities of a mini Moog at like, like a third of the price, uh, which is, is amazing. And we did look at the Behringer Poly-D, but 
the Moog oscillators to us are just like, it's something about real Moog oscillators and just the workmanship of the machine and the, the nature of it being so um, tied to what was being done with the Mother Series. Uh, the Mother Series got us into Moog. It got it at an affordable level, $600 level. We were able to get the Mother 32 and integrate it into our sound. And people would say, well, you spend $600 on one single oscillator, but the Mother 32 can actually fake where it seems like it's got two or three. And it's it's a very good value for, for synthesis because it gets you into subtractive synthesis. It gets you to understand how to use LFOs, how to use the oscillators, how to use a hard, you know, how to actually program or code an analog synth. And we've been very happy with it. Uh, we've got the Mini Brew 2S, which we love from Arturia. It has a lot of capabilities, but it, it, it sounds totally different than a Moog. So what a cool thing about these analog synths, if we're going to keep on digressing, is if you get an analog synth, every brand of analog synth has a different character. Uh, Profits, you know, they're polyphonic, and they have a different character. We've been very interested in the Rev 2, and we've been very interested in uh, the Profit XL. Or the Profit Six, we trying to think what we would do if we want to get a Polysynth. But we're a, somewhat of a rolling guy. We've got a lot of rolling gear, and we're looking for a replacement for our Juno GI. Um, we looked at the Jupiter XM as a low-cost replacement, which not exactly low-cost, but uh, it, it basically is a big sound module, and you could actually, you know, use it with an Arturia Keylab and use it to, to be like your version of the of a Jupiter X or a little, you know, <laughs> Jupiter, uh, you know, based thing like a System 8. But the cool thing about it is if you're a musician, it's got piano in it, and it's got some really awesome module stuff in it. Uh, so it's somewhat like having a Phantom, though some people argue with me, but, you know, a lot smaller footprint, easier to put into your studio. So we're, we're, because we like to play piano, we like the other sounds, that's why we had the Juno. And we're kind of a rolling guy. We never got a Kronos, never got a Yamaha. Um, and we're very interested in the Jupiter X or Phantom. Now, the Phantom is, is a lot more expensive. It's like $33,000. And um, the Jupiter X is like $2,500. And then the Jupiter XM is like $1,500. So if you want to get all those sounds into your in, into your workflow, the XM is the, probably the cheapest way to do it, but part of the appeal of a System 8 or the Jupiter X is the fact that it has that Jupiter-type workflow. It has, um, you know, a knob per function and a classic type of style similar to what we see on the grandmother, similar to what we see on a matriarch. It's got that left-to-right workflow that allows you <coughs> to do really awesome sound design. And if you're a synthesis, Having knob per function is really the primary way that you want to design sound. And that goes toward a couple other things that if you're a sound designer, we think that the, um, the, 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 the hydrosynth is probably a really good deal. When we look like at the desktop and it actually has ears and you, we've got a rack, we probably put it in with our System 1M onto our rack solution. Uh, the other thing that we're looking at for sound design is the Pittsburgh... Um, synthesizer, um, their, their, their um, voltage laboratory, which is a, would be our first real West Coast type synth because it's really, 
It's got the back rolls. It's got that kind of West Coast additive synthesis, which is totally di- different than subtractive um, because you're playing with a lot of harmonics and using uh, function generators to model the sound rather than doing it the way you do with a Moog, which is the left-to-right subtractive workflow. You've got a lot of different capabilities with these function generators. Well, if you kind of brought that into our sound by using the math utility module, it gives us some West Coast capabilities. Um, so that's all we have for this episode. Again, check out the links to our SoundCloud. Uh, we're trying to, to look at SoundCloud as another option for publishing our, our music. Uh, we want to see if we can get uh, some pretty good response. We've gotten really good responses from a bunch of songs that we've put out there. And we're hopefully that they'll put us on their program so we can put a lot of new music out that way. We might potentially get back onto Landar and reactivate our Landar going into next year sometime in 2020. So albums that we put out through that may suddenly get back on the, on the list. Uh, we're looking at that. So we'll talk to you later. Thank you very much. Me.
Someone that I used to know 